please be advised, this episode may include depictions of murder, sexual content, and foul language that is not suitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Welcome back to Wickedness. I'm Linny. And I'm Matt. And we are glad that we are back this week. Yeah, we are. Yes? <laughs> yes. I don't even know why we didn't record last week. I can't remember. Why? I said I can't remember. <laughs> you said why? <laughs> I, I don't think, know. I don't know either. I think just time snuck up on us quick. Yeah. Yeah. Father time. It has a way of doing those things. But here we are. Yeah, we are here. And we're ready to roll. Yeah, we are. I think. You think? Did you hear Tom Brady's coming out of retirement? I heard Tom Brady is going to be back with the Buccaneers for a year. Yeah, why the hell is he doing this to me? I don't know. And then I saw something, something about him going to the 49ers. You hear all these rumors or this or that, and then he just can't make up his mind. I think it's part of the whole thing. I think it's he knew. I'm retiring. No, I'm not retiring. He knew. Bitches. He knew. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he knew. Um, he's not going. No. Wish our Cowboys are making some moves and getting rid of Amari Cooper. I know. Cooper. We got rid of Amari freaking Cooper. I loved Amari Cooper. Yeah, I did too. I was actually not happy about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sorry about the dogs in the background, y'all, but. I was not happy about that move. No, I wasn't either. But it is what it is, and we move on. And hopefully we win a Super Bowl like we do every year almost. Oh, yeah. We we're win every to, year. We're, we're, we're going to the Super Bowl. That's right. Just ask Scooter Magruder. Yeah, if you don't know who he is, check him out. Yeah, you guys got to go look him up. He's actually really hilarious. I love yeah. watching his videos. Yeah. But he's a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan, and every year in his videos, he said we are going to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. He's a Florida Gator fan too, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but we never go to the Super Bowl. You know, but it's okay. Scooter, stop saying we're going to the Super Bowl. We can, we can all <laughs> Cowboy fans can all live in the past. I remember the the glory days. I don't want to live in the past. I don't want to remember the glory days. I want to move to this year. Yes, like yes, we got to get it this well, year. That's what's going on. That's what we're going to do. We're doing it this year. This is our year. You know what? I don't even care. I'm I still... know we got a lot of haters probably right now because this one, it is the top, I think, hated team. But also top talked about team. That People too. love to hate the Cowboys. Yes. That, the Yankees and the Lakers. I would say those are your three kind of for your baseball, for your football, and for your basketball. Yeah. But you know what? Go ahead and hate my Cowboys because I love them and I will still support them and keep hoping we go to the Super Bowl. Right. <laughs> I like it. And you know, I know the Super Bowl or yeah, the Super Bowl is mm-hmm. over. Yes, it's done yes, with. Yes, yes. 
We're looking forward to our team next year going. Right. Because we're going to the Super Bowl next year. Mm-hmm. My predictions are in. But, again, Tom Brady. <laughs> like, we all got sick of watching the Patriots yeah. go to the Super Bowl over and over and over. And I know I was rooting for them to lose. Um, And then, you know, Tom Brady moves to Tampa Bay. Yeah. So the Patriots lose. Yeah. And what then, if he went back to the Patriots? Oh my god! And then he won a Super Bowl again with the Patriots. I don't know. And but then retired out. I was personally rooting for Tampa Bay to start losing when Tom Brady moved to them. Like he's he's the player that people love to hate, and sure, I love to hate him. Sure, but he's he's good. He is damn good. He's good. <laughs> now, if he went to the Cowboys, I would be his fan. Exactly. You know what I mean? Right. Be fanboy. <laughs> and we up. would go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> damn it. Right. But it is what it is. Yeah. Did you guys know that the Patriots aren't just known for being an amazing football team who's won a lot of Super Bowls? Mm, I don't mm. know. Yeah. What are they more famous for, or just as famous for? They're or not. more, or just, I can't speak, it would known be, for? It would be infamy. It would be infamy. Infamy. That's yeah. what I wanted to I'm, say. I'm pretty sure that the Patriots would wipe this out of their history if they could. No, sure. <laughs> Aaron Hernandez played for the New England Patriots when he committed the murder that he went to prison for. Ooh. Yep, and lucky me, I get to tell you about the life of Aaron Hernandez today to try to clue us into why he ended up murdering people. Okay, is it a good one? I think so. Is it a so. good story? I think it is. Juicy? Is it juicy? <laughs> I, I don't know if it's juicy or not, but <laughs> I think it's good. All right. I, I think in the end, though, his case brought light to the seriousness of concussions and oh stuff. yeah like yeah. And, and on a serious note i know we'll joke around the and stuff concussion like that, but protocols and yeah mm-hmm. i think aaron hernandez is a shining example of why they needed to make some changes in in football across mm-hmm. the board all the way from elementary up sure you know because most of these players play all their lives not oh, just yeah. not just college and not just you know pro they they play for years and years and years and they're taking hits left and right and and they're get brain damage that's why i'm messed up i already had brain damage getting kicked. <laughs> i got bucked off a horse when i was five everyone and got that talk about a he's got this gnarly scar talk about a tbi <laughs> traumatic brain injury and then i went and played football which i probably shouldn't have been doing that was not that's probably not wise for anybody to be doing playing football with a big cracked fractured skull with a metal plate in it but hey I did, and I was pretty good, and I feel like that's God telling me don't go any further than this because you, you, will, you, you could be, be a murderer. I, well, that or I would have <laughs> been dead. I, I really, just taking those hits, it was not good. Your dog. My dog is a mess, everyone. <laughs> he, You know those door things that are on, like they're close to the floor, the ground, that so you don't like well, your door knock all, yeah, your, yeah. yeah, okay, that's what it's called, my bad. I was trying to describe it, but. He likes to flip them, so I don't know if you guys can hear that or not, but he sits there and he flicks the door stops. (laughs) Yes. So I apologize for that, too. We may have to go and wrangle these guys up. And he got one. No, he's fine. Oh, for crying out loud. So let's dive into this. Aaron Hernandez was born on November 6, 1989 in Bristol, Connecticut to parents Dennis and Terry, and he had an older brother named DJ. Or known as DJ, Dennis Jr. He grew up in Bristol in a very volatile family life. It was it was all over the place. 
Aaron remembered his mom and dad fighting a lot, and his mom even threw his dad out several times in his youth, but when, but would always let him come back home. He, they first got married in 1986, got divorced in 1991, and then remarried in 1996. Mm. We've talked about people doing this before. Lots of highs and lows. Yes, we have. Like, it's, it's not the norm, but... They I love to hate each other. They hate to love each other. Is yeah, it, is that... like, I don't know. But why would you marry someone that you've divorced already? If it didn't right. work the first time, it's probably not going to work this, this next time. The third time? time? The, the third time? T- <laughs> the second <laughs> time. <laughs> he also said that his dad always pushed them to excel at things, which is not a bad thing to be pushed to excel. But on the flip side of that, he beat them, his brother and his mom. I would like, too. You, you don't would... excel, you get beat. No, no, babe. Th- that's terrible. Okay, that's not a good parenting <laughs> move. No, don't do that. Okay, good thing I didn't do that. Yeah, thank you for not doing that. Yeah, but you're welcome. He remembered the beatings were often alcohol-related and would be triggered when he thought they weren't trying hard enough in school or in sports. He lived in constant fear of his dad, and he also looked up to him, which is like a oxymoron, really. Like, mm-hmm. you're scared of them, but you mm-hmm. respect them and look up to them, which is weird to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it, though. I can see that. But he was a supporter of them succeeding in life, you know. And yeah. he, he put them in sports, and he kept them active, which mm-hmm. is not a bad thing either. No. So Aaron played ba- basketball at Bristol High School, where he really began to show his athletic abilities, leading his team to a championship. He also played for the Bristol football team, where he earned Connecticut's Gatorade Player of the Year during his senior year, in spite of losing his father that same year. Oh, wow. Right. His, his dad had gone in for a routine hernia surgery and ended up not surviving it. Oh, my goodness. I know. Could you imagine? A He's routine. A routine hernia surgery. And it happens, though. We, you hear, you yeah, see this stuff. it does. Mm. And the death of his dad, in spite of the abuse, really had a negative impact on, on him. He started acting out and began rebelling. Close friends and family said he never got over his father's death. He eventually moved in with his cousin, Tanya Singleton, who he was very close to. And she stuck by him through everything, all the way up through his conviction. To top off everything, though, it was found out that Aaron's mom, Terry, had been having an affair with his cousin Tanya's husband, Jeff. Could you imagine that? Fantastic. Right. When this came out, Tanya and Jeff got a divorce, and Jeff moved in with Aaron's mom, Terry, Mm -hmm. which upset Aaron so bad he completely cut his mom out of his life. Wow. And he, he became more involved in criminal activity, though. Like, okay. everything is just crashing around in this guy's world. Mm-hmm. Also, his older brother, DJ, reported that Aaron had been sexually abused by the teenage son of their babysitter, beginning when Aaron was six years old and continuing for several years. Yeah, I remember hearing about that, too. Which is super sad. Yes. So, like I mentioned before, he was very athletic. He played basketball. He ran track. He played football. In 2006, though, he took a blindside hit to the head so hard he was knocked out cold and an ambulance had to take him off the field into the hospital. But as we know, this didn't keep him from playing. It was, I think, though, this was the major incident that led to his brain trauma. Mm-hmm. It really kind of Im- started it Yeah, there. could you imagine being hit that hard? Yeah. No, and we know this right. isn't his only hit. Right. Like, this, I think, was in high school, for mm-hmm. crying out loud. Mm-hmm. And then you, you move on to college, and then you move on to the NFL. Mm-hmm. He's taking hits. You're getting your bell rang. Yeah. But, you know, we'll talk about all that later. He started out as a wide receiver, moved to tight end, also played def- defensive end. 
He set state records while on his high school team, showing himself to be a great player. And in 2007, he was considered the top tight end recruit, and by the time he had gotten to high school, he was known to be one of the hardest-working athletes on his team. He was popular in school and was dating his longtime girlfriend, who ended up being his fiancée, Shayna. I think that's how you say her name. Mm-hmm. He was smoking a lot of pot before school, though, before practice and before games, and he was known to drink heavily without, when out socializing. So he had his party life, too. Mm. His relationship with Shayna lasted a long time. She was always supportive of his dreams and encouraging to him. They had a daughter who was born in 2012, and they were engaged the same month their daughter was born. She moved in with Aaron in 2011, and they purchased a home in North Attlesboro, Massachusetts. The home was a four-story home with an in-ground pool, and they lived there as a family. So that would probably be the most stable person in his life. Right. So after high school, he was committed to attend the University of Connecticut with his brother DJ, but he later decided to go to the University of Florida and played under Coach Urban Meyer and with Tim Tim Tebow, if I can get these words out. Urban Meyer wanted Aaron so bad that he flew to Connecticut and convinced his high school principal to let him graduate a semester early to allow Aaron to move to Florida, learn the playbook, and join the team after his 17th birthday. It was like a, he was like a child prodigy for football. Yeah. Like yeah. this guy wanted him so bad. Yeah. Could you imagine that? Right. And too young. Right. Too he young. was so young. Mm-hmm. Like he really probably shouldn't have gone so quickly even mm-hmm. to college, but yeah. So now he's in Florida. He's working hard. He's putting in 40 to 60 hours a week year-round in training to play for the Gators on top of keeping up with his homework. But listen to his classes for his freshman year. Bowling, theater appreciation, wildlife issues, and plants, gardening, and you. Like, I don't think his academics were going to get in the way. No, not at all. I think that's great. He was more busy with his football than his studies. Oh, for sure. His freshman year, he only started three games, but when he did, he did well. He became known as the life of the party, too, though. He was benched for a failed drug test his first game of his sophomore year. But he ended up starting 11 out of the 13 games during 2008 in place of an injured starter, and he excelled. And sadly, during the 2009 season, his junior year, he helped lead the Gators to victory against my team, the Oklahoma Sooners, during the BCS championship. Yeah, that's why it was sad. Okay, but it wasn't sad for him. This helped him win the John Mackey Award at the nation as the nation's best tight end, winning against my Sooners that year. Wow, man, sad, sad day. <laughs> he was also a first team All Southeastern Conference selection and was recognized as a first team All American by the Associated Press, College Football News, and the Sporting News. During his final game, he threw the ball into the stands to celebrate a touchdown. The excessive display risked a personal foul penalty, but sports writers said they saw an athlete who had little to lose personally if he chose to go into the NFL instead of returning for another year at the college level, which he already knew that's what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why in a minute. Okay. But okay. During one interview, Aaron said he was high on drugs every time he played and that Urban Meyer had wanted to drop him from the team for his constant marijuana use, but he didn't because Tim Tebow asked him not to. But after Aaron's junior year, Urban did drop him and told him he needed to go to the NFL if he wanted to continue playing. Urban had tried to help him even pairing him up with Marquise and Mike Pouncey, who they considered to be a positive influence. They all became very close, but it didn't keep him from... Hmm. Like, he... Yeah. He still did what he did. Yeah. 
While he was playing in college, he started getting into fights in clubs. He had several legal run-ins over the years, and he had a chip on his shoulder. He was known to have major attitude. Okay. One of his most infamous run-ins, though, was in a restaurant with Tim Tebow. He was underage, but had been served two drinks that he refused to pay for. And when he was escorted out, he turned and sucker-punched the manager as he was turning to walk away, rupturing his eardrum. Oh, dang. I know. He hit him hard. Oof. This incident ended up being settled out of court and, for the most part, kept out of the media. Yeah. Another incident that happened in 2007, three men in a car were at a traffic light after having left a club when a man approached them on foot and fired five shots into the car. Yeah, one was hit in the back of the head, one in the arm, but the one in the back seat was unharmed. Later, they picked Aaron out of a lineup as the shooter. Police contacted Coach Meyer, requesting to speak to four players, including Aaron. After finally getting the players to the police department to interview them, Aaron invoked his right to an attorney, and when the police went inside the interview room, Aaron had his head down on the table sleeping, which baffled police because it wasn't the reaction most people who were being interviewed for committing a crime like that would have. Right. No charges were filed in this case, but it did come up again later. Mm. Hmm. Right? It's interesting. Lucky ducky at this time. Well, I don't know if it's luck or if... You're a football player. We're going to cover for you however we have to. I don't know. I don't know. There's that stereotype, right? Sure. So on January 6, 2010, Aaron announced that he was entering the NFL draft. He attended the scouting combine but wasn't able to do any physical drills because he was healing from a torn muscle that he got in the offseason. But a couple of months later, he attended Florida's Pro Day where he performed all of the combine drills. And based on his off-the-field reputation compared to his on-the-field reputation... He had people guessing that he would go in the second round <clears throat> because mm. of his reputation. Sure. But he should have probably gone in, in the first round. He was ranked in the top five draft picks for tight ends that year. Okay. But because of his reputation, everyone's like. He's a later he's, round Yeah, guy. he's going he's gonna to go second round. Mm-hmm. They were convinced because of how good he was, he would mm-hmm. go second round. But mm-hmm. he didn't end up even getting selected until the fourth round. Oh, wow. And the New England Patriots picked him up. And the day before, they had also picked up another tight end, Rob Gronkowski. Aaron had basically told on himself at the NFL Combine, admitting to failing multiple drug tests. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he wasn't being drafted early on, he started writing letters to every single NFL team, offering to be drug tested every other week during his rookie season because he really wanted to play. He yeah. wanted to be picked up. Yeah. He earned the trust of the Patriots through these letters, and he was drafted. Okay. On June 8, 2010, the Patriots signed Aaron to a four-year, $2.37 million contract with a signing bonus of $200,000. He could, according to his contract, earn an additional $700,000 if he completed a series of bonuses and escalators, but he also had to, quote, walk the straight and narrow line to do so, end quote, because they of him writing mm. his letter. Like, they yeah. knew yeah. that he was smoking the weed. When he signed with the Patriots, he hired two of his friends from Bristol, where he grew up, to be his assistants. Both of them had criminal records, and one was known to be his drug dealer, which is crazy. Yeah, right? But his other responsibility was to calm Aaron down during fits of rage and paranoia, which he was known for having, and getting weapons for him. Okay. This guy, like, yeah, let's, you're going to walk the straight and narrow by hiring these people to be around you. Mm Mm-mm. It was said that he kept a second apartment a secret from his fiance and used it to store drugs and weapons, and he would go there to chain smoke marijuana. 
Could you? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to my second pad. Yeah. All throughout the training camp, Aaron competed for the starting tight end position, and he and Gronkowski had very impressive preseason stats. They became known as the top tight end tandems in NFL history. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. I didn't even they know that. They were amazing. Yeah. Co- Coach Belichick gave Aaron the third tight end spot on the Patriots chart, and he started the 2010 season as the youngest player on any active roster in the NFL, which is a huge achievement. Oh, yeah. That first season, Aaron became a star. He missed the last two season games that year due to a hip injury that he reportedly had surgery for. And when he returned the next season in 2011, he was listed as a backup tight end due to healing from the surgery. He was moved to secondary tight end beside, beside Rob Gronkowski, who was the primary. During that season, he suffered a knee injury and was inactive for two games, but he was still successful enough in the games he played that he and Gronkowski became known as the best tight end tandem team in the NFL. So much so that other teams took on similar plays using tandem tight ends for plays. Yeah. Like they created this whole new Mm, way of playing. Right. right. Also during this season, more trouble for Aaron. One night, a friend was driving Aaron home from the bar in Aaron's car, and they were pulled over for doing 120 miles per hour in a work zone where it was posted 55 miles per hour. But the state trooper let them go when he recognized Aaron. Mm. Later that night, police reported to a disturbance call at Aaron's townhome. And when they arrived, the state trooper also recognized them and told the fighting men to simply go back inside. Like, oh, we know who you are. So just go in. Yeah, just go in. You're fine. Yep. He was getting in trouble, but his status with the team was letting him get away with it. His continued success prompted the Patriots to issue a contract to Aaron for the 2012 season of five years for $39.58 million contract extension that included $15.95 million guarantee and signing bonus of $12.5 million. Wow. Like this was the largest signing bonus ever received by a tight end in NFL history. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. He missed several games that season due to a sprained ankle, but returned fit and ready and still considered a star. He had everything going for him in this respect, but his reputation among his teammates was not so successful he didn't have he didn't have many friends on his team uh some said he was a lot to handle he was unhinged and he was close to being let go from the team however on the flip side of this aaron said during an interview from prison that his teammates were non-loyal and fake showing that the animosity was mutual (laughs) like whatever yeah also that year aaron was investigated for a double homicide committed on july 16th A silver SUV, similar to that of Aaron's, pulled up alongside the victim's vehicle, yelled racial slurs, and then fired five shots into the vehicle, killing the two immigrants inside. Police identified Aaron in the security footage, but thought it was a coincidence that he had been at that club the night of the incident. So Aaron was charged about two years later for this crime, after he was already in prison, though. In 2013, Alexander Bradley, who was the friend of Aaron's from Bristol who worked for Aaron and was his drug dealer and calming hand who I mentioned earlier, he was arrested for DUI. Aaron had tried to get him out of it, but Alexander was arrested anyway. The two friends had a rocky relationship after they rang up a $10,000 bill at a strip club where they speculated if two men they saw across the bar were plainclothes policemen following them around. Wow. So Alexander claimed that on February 13th, after the strip club trip, He woke up in a car with Aaron pointing a gun at him. The next morning, he was found by police with a bullet hole between his eyes. Oh, my goodness. But he survived. Dang. But he lost his right eye because of it. I remember this. 
actually now. Yeah, he because he I think he's on the witness stand during his mm-hmm. or not a witness, but a, but uh, yeah, he's he's, he's on the, the stand trial. at the trial. Yeah. Okay. Instead of cooperating with police and telling them what happened, though, he decided to plan revenge of his own. He and Aaron exchanged over 500 text messages that involved threats and extortion. Aaron's agent tried to handle the matter quietly but couldn't. Alexander asked for $5 million. Aaron countered with $1.5 million and Alexander countered with $2.5 million. Aaron didn't respond after that. Instead, he contacted his attorney. Alexander filed a civil suit against Aaron but withdrew it four days later to try to settle without the media finding out. This was all going on after Aaron's arrest and was postponed or pushed off during his murder trial, but was eventually settled in 2016. Before the settlement went through in 2015, Aaron was cited for witness intimidation for the shooting of Alexander because he was a witness against Aaron in the 2012 Boston double homicide. This charge was included in Aaron's trial in 2017 for the Boston double homicide and a text that Alexander had sent his lawyer about the shooting that was deleted was included that said, quote, now you sure once I withdraw the, this lawsuit, I won't be held on perjury after I tell the truth about me not recalling anything about who shot me, end quote. <laughs> so he's basically telling his lawyer, I don't remember who shot me. Yeah. And I don't want to get in trouble mm-hmm. for lying. Yeah. This helped acquit Aaron from the charge of witness intimidation as well as he was acquitted for all of the charges in the double murder except that he was found guilty of one count of illegal possession of firearm. But he didn't get he didn't get done for murder for that yeah, one. Yeah. Another 2013 incident was when he traveled with his fiance and their young daughter to California for shoulder surgery. Shayna called the police twice in less than a week saying that Aaron was drunk and being violent. In the first incident, he had put his hand through a window. His brother and friends said that there were drugs and guns in the rented apartment, but police found that Shayna and the child weren't in danger, and they had never searched the apartment and didn't see any of the drugs or firearms. DJ found Aaron one night on the roof of the apartments, looking sad and completely alone and rubbing the barrel of a gun against his face, though. So he Mm. was also having some suicidal thoughts there, I, I think. Yeah, he had a lot of stuff going mm-hmm. on, like the issues. That, well, I mean, his family life. Oh, yeah, he had a lot of stuff. He had a lot of stuff. And to have, you know, and, and that just says money isn't everything, too. All this money, that just all these problems he was causing himself. Yeah, yeah. So Aaron's brother, DJ, also said that Aaron was getting more paranoid as an adult. He believed that the FBI and others were out to get him. DJ said that Aaron slept with a large knife by his bed and collected a lot of weapons for protection. And after the shooting of Alexander in 2013, Aaron even hired a friend from Bristol to be his bodyguard 24 hours a day. Hmm. He had a lot of weapons and he installed surveillance videos all over his home. He even approached Coach Belichick in what is remembered as a deep state of paranoia where he said he feared for his family's safety. His agent said he had requested a meeting because he was in fear for his life and he wanted to be transferred to another team across the country. But this request was denied. In April of 2013, his paranoia had gotten out of control, and he purchased a used car that had two handguns and two rifles in it, which I was confused by that statement that I read in the article, because I'm like, did he buy the car because it had two guns and two? (laughs) Like, I really didn't understand what was going on there. what's going on here? Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. But he also bought a Chevy Suburban that was outfitted like an armored car. He also had secret compartments added to all the cars that he owned to store firearms in. 
He refused to travel in any cars that didn't have the windows tinted so his enemies wouldn't see him. His teammates said Aaron was prone to wild mood swings and became more agitated as time went on. They said he went from being hyper-masculine to talking about cuddling with his mother yeah, on some occasions. Yeah, that's a lot like, of emotion Yeah, there. and mental issues. Like, yes. this is showing that he is not mentally stable. No. He was also known to smoke a lot of marijuana and use cocaine while he was with the Patriots, mm-hmm. which is just nuts to me. You yeah. have such a golden life, right? Yes, like, yes, huge. Yeah, he was very troubled. So all of this background to tell you how he it did end up in prison. Let me tell you a little bit about Odin Lloyd. He played semi-pro football and had dreams of going to the NFL. If you remember, Aaron Hernandez was engaged to his longtime girlfriend, Shayna Jenkins. Odin was dating Shayna's sister, Shania Jenkins. So Aaron and Odin met at a family function, and Odin was excited to not only meet Aaron, who played in the NFL, he also thought he had a, you know, he had a friend now that could help him achieve his dream of going to the NFL, too, somehow. Yeah. Odin's friends from his semi-pro team remembered him as being very humble and normal. And one of his teammates remembered that he had known that Odin was friends with Aaron, but that he never bragged about it or talked about it. Staying humble in that way. Like, staying in line with, like, I'm not, oh, I know Aaron Hernandez. You know, so many people would. Sure. Like, name-dropping. But apparently this guy was not one of those type of people. Mm Mm-hmm. It was also noted, though, that Odin was dragged into Aaron's volatile world. Like, he got sucked into this vortex, too. Mm -hmm. On the night of June 14th, Aaron and Odin were both at a nightclub called Rumor, but they weren't there together. They just kind of were at the same place, same Same, time. Yeah. Aaron saw Odin talking to some guys that he had previously had issues with, been fighting with and stuff. And this led Aaron to believe that Odin was betraying him in some way. So he texted two out-of-state friends of his to help deal with Odin. Wow. What yeah. a paranoia. Yes. Bad. Yes. You That's can't where even... it tells you your brain's messed up. Yes. Things are not clicking at all. Yeah. Like your, your girlfriend's mm-hmm. sister's dude, your friend, mm-hmm. is just talking to some people. Who cares if you had issues with them? It doesn't mean he's betraying you, but right. this guy was not thinking right. like that. So um, he texted... Two of his friends, you know, and he said, quote, you can't trust anyone anymore, end quote. Mm. These friends came to Boston from Connecticut, and they picked up Aaron from his house. Then they went and picked up Odin from his house at 2.30 in the morning on June 17th. Like, they had a couple of days where they planned this out. Yeah. Odin sent something was off, so he texted his sister while they were driving around talking about that night that Aaron had saw Odin at Rumor. Like, he's brought this up to him. Okay. And he texts, quote, to his sister, he texted, did you see who I am with? Then followed that with the text NFL. And then finally, his last text sent shortly after that was just so you know, end quote. Okay. Like he's. He knows something's it, up. Well, it's suspicious. I mean, yeah, I, I think he did know something was up. He was getting bad vibes. So he mm-hmm. wanted someone to know who he was with. So he texted his sister. Yeah. But it's also, and I think these got thrown out, actually, and were not able to be used in court. Because it didn't show that he was in the, you know, under any duress or anything like that. Like it could have been a bragging type thing. Mm-hmm. Like, did you see who I'm with? I'm with NFL. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, like context. But knowing that he wasn't that type of person, it's most likely, I think it's safe hey. to say that he's like, hey, I don't know what's going on. I'm with them. Right. Just so you know. Right. So 
Workers at an industrial park later recalled hearing gunshots between 3.23 a.m. and 3.27 a.m. Odin's body was found later that day in that park with five gunshot wounds to his back and side with five casings from a 45 caliber handgun were found near his body. Aaron was known to have been with Odin that night, and he was immediately a suspect. He was arrested nine days later on June 26, 2013, as well as his two friends later who had been with him that night and was tried for first-degree murder and also five gun-related charges. Wow. Yeah. He was released from the Patriots an hour and a half after his arrest. Before they even learned what the charges we're were. Like, let's get rid yeah, of we're this done guy. With, yeah, we're done with him. He was indicted by the grand jury on August 22nd, pled not guilty on September 6th. Other things are made public, like home videos, you know, between this and the trial starting. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a home video showing Aaron and Odin together the night of the shooting that was caught with, you know, from, like, a neighbor's camera or something okay yeah you can see some yeah mm-hmm. a video of aaron pacing around in his home that night holding mm-hmm. what looks like a gun mm-hmm. is there the double homicide charges in boston are brought like a slew of other things all before his trial for odin lloyd murder yeah. began on january 9th 2015 and about a year and a half after that you know this is all about a year and a half after the murder actually took place that they finally start the trial the trial went on for about three months, and on April 15, 2015, he was convicted of first-degree murder and received life in prison without the possibility of parole. After this, he got a new attorney, Jose Baez. If you know his name, do you know who that is? Mm-hmm. He defended Casey Anthony? Yeah. Yeah. So this is who he hires to defend him in his next trial, the double murder trial, where he's not, where he's found not guilty for those murders that had taken place prior to Odin. Yeah. Lloyd's murder. Right. right. So he was acquitted of those on April 14, 2017. The crazy thing is that they were appealing his conviction of the murder of Odin Lloyd. And I believe that Jose Baez probably would have found a way to get him Mm, out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I really do believe that. I mean, the man is a damn good lawyer. Mm -hmm. He finds those loopholes. He got Casey Anthony off for crying out loud. (laughs) And he got Aaron Hernandez off for a double murder. Yes. Yes. Like, he would have probably, Aaron would have probably been freed. But they were in the middle of doing his appeal, his first appeal in the case of Odin Lloyd when Aaron killed himself five days after he was found not guilty in the Boston double murder trial. Mm -hmm. Which is crazy. Like, why are you going to kill yourself? On April 19th, 2017, Aaron was found hanging in his cell by a bed sheet at 3 a.m. And he was rushed to a hospital where he was declared dead at 4.07 a.m. Yeah. Corrections officials first said there was no suicide note, but later found a couple. On April 20th, investigators found some handwritten letters next to a Bible that he that was opened to John 3.16. And they noted that John 3.16 was written in red ink on Aaron's forehead when he was found. Shampoo was covering the floor. Cardboard was wedged under the door to make it hard for someone to enter the cell. And then there were drawings in blood on the cell walls. One of them was an unfinished pyramid and the all-seeing eye of God with the word Illuminati written under it in all caps. Hmm. Like, it's like this guy just went totally nuts and killed himself. Yeah. 
The letters they found were one to Jose Baez, his attorney, thanking him for his acquittal and looking forward to his appeal, which makes it sound strange that he would commit suicide when you write a letter saying, I'm looking forward to my appeal. Yeah. But um, the other was to his fiance and daughter, where Aaron tells Shana that she's rich. And prosecutors believe this is his way of showing that he knew about this one law that would clear his name mm-hmm. and allow Shana's daughter to receive the money from his NFL career. Mm, yes. This law is is abatement ab initio. I, I think that's how you say this. Yeah. Which is a legal doctrine that vacates convictions if a defendant dies before his appeals are exhausted. His lawyer noted that the other letters were more ominous than what was sent to him, but prison officials didn't notice any suicidal signs in Aaron, so he wasn't being watched sure. at the time. After Aaron's death, some speculation about his sexual preferences came out. Yeah. A former high school teammate, which I think is so distasteful. Like the it guy was talked is, about in the documentary. Yeah, it but was, the guy was, is dead. Let it go. Yeah. If he didn't want people to know, don't right, don't out, out him. Yeah. But this is what happened. A former high school teammate, Dennis Sansusi, said he and Aaron had a sexual relationship between the seventh and eleventh grades. He claimed that Aaron had many sexual partners during this time frame and that he was always terrified that his father would find out. His brother DJ, mom Terry, and attorney George Leontire claimed that Aaron had come out to his mom and ex-girlfriend while he was in prison. Which is great if he did, but Mm -hmm. why out him? That really makes me... It really does make me mad. Mm -hmm. Um, His attorney George Leontire, who is gay said that Aaron was clearly gay and that he described the pain that this caused him and the self-hatred that he experienced growing up in a culture that was anti-gay. George said that Aaron believed the sexual abuse he suffered as a child caused him to be gay, a col- which I think is dumb. You don't, nothing causes you to be gay. <laughs> you just are, I, I believe. I don't think anything yeah. causes you yeah. to be gay. Yeah. But if, you know, that's what he thought. A college girlfriend said he never dealt with the abuse, so this led to him having issues with his sexuality, which I think is probably true. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some confusion mm-hmm. there because oh, yeah. you don't know how to deal with if you didn't right. deal with it. Right. The Boston Globe listened to more than 300 phone calls from Aaron in prison where he would go on homophobic rants, but during one call, he admitted to being attracted to men, and he said that it made him angry all the time. Yeah. So he wasn't dealing with his own sexuality very not well all, either. Not at all. He was very frustrated. Yes. Person. Prosecutors had intended to raise the issue of his sexuality during the 2012 double homicide trial. And this scared Aaron because he wanted to keep it a secret. Mm-hmm. He didn't want it. He didn't want it to be out there. Right. His fiance, Shana, said she had no idea that Aaron was gay. She said, quote, I wish I had known how he felt just so we could have talked about it. I wouldn't have disowned him. I would have been supportive. I can't fault him if he was feeling that way. When you love someone so much, you just want to be there to support them. The fact that he felt he couldn't come out to me or he couldn't tell me these things hurts because we had that bond. I've accepted that he may have been the way he was said to be or that it may not be true. Regardless, I won't know. End quote. Mm. Yeah. It's really sad that they outed him like yeah. that after yeah. after he was gone. That's yeah. not people's business, but someone's got to get their 15 minutes, right? Right. 
After Aaron's autopsy and the cause of death was confirmed, his family donated his brain to Boston University to be studied for signs of chronic traumatic encephalopathy, Mm. CTE. CTE is a degenerative disease found in people who have had a severe blow or repeated blows to the head like football players who have suffered concussions. And after his brain was removed, he was cremated and his ashes were given to his family. So researchers at Boston University just diagnosed him with CTE after studying his brain, placing him stage three of four, describing his brain as a classic case of of the pathology. CTE is caused from repeated head trauma, and Aaron was known to have had at least two concussions, one serious enough to warrant removing him from the football field while he was knocked out cold, if you remember. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, there was one other major hit that they knew he had a concussion from, but all the hits that he took in his career led to, you know, did a lot of damage. So the research shows that CTE results in poor judgment, lack of impulse control, aggression, anger, paranoia, emotional volatility, and rage behaviors, which would explain all of Aaron's criminal activity. Yeah. If you look at it. It helps. He had, it. I mean, he... He had he, all of those symptoms. He wanted, to, he, he wanted to kind of be a thug and do stuff during high school years Absolutely. and all that I stuff, too. His environment, But yes. I think it was, yeah, his environment, maybe, this hit, of course, being people he was surrounded with, his dad... The way his dad was to him, him, right. him his sexuality. Yeah, he was struggling and, with a lot of stuff. And with the CTE, all these things were not right. helping the but situation. But the CTE, I think, exacerbated Oh, it sure. Because he wouldn't have even been able to have the presence of mind to be like, I have to go find some help and deal with myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's, 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 he's not, his brain doesn't function that way. It's almost yeah. like it's function like an old man or or you know like when you get dementia and your yeah. brain yeah and you're stuck in a ward and you're living in the past or right. or fighting with your current caretakers like yeah your brain activity just doesn't work right right so it was noted that Aaron suffered from migraines and memory loss in prison that's another thing with mm-hmm. CTE and after this discovery Shana sued the Patriots and the NFL for his brain injury but the case was dismissed because the deadline to opt out of a class action lawsuit against the league was missed. Wow. Right? Doesn't sound like you have that much time. Yeah, like, when when were they even notified? Like, yeah. I don't know the details on this, but right. how can you not sue them? Right. I, I don't get I it. Don't but know. a lot was learned about CTE, and this case brought light to it and the NFL's responsibility to their players due to C- CTE in 2018. But regardless... Aaron Hernandez is suspected of being responsible for killing at least three people. So the only one he was convicted of was Odin Lloyd. I really think it has a lot to do with his brain injuries. And I pray for Odin Lloyd's family, but I'll also pray for Aaron Hernandez's family. Because I think if his brain was healthy, he'd still be here today. And so would Odin. Sure. Like, I really believe that. I really think it had a lot to do with it. Yeah. I'd hope so. I'd like to think that. Mm Mm-hmm. So... That's it. All right. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Please let us know what you think. You can contact us via email at wickednesstruecrime at yahoo.com. Check us out at our website at wickednesstruecrimeunknown.com and follow us on Instagram at wickednesstruecrime. Also, check us out on Anchor at anchor.fm slash wickedness, where you can also support us if you feel like lending your support by clicking on that support button. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.